and welcome to Pod Academy. This lecture on left populism by Dr. Marina Prentulis is part of the IF Project's lecture series Thinking Between the Lines, Truth, Lies and Fiction in an Age of Populism. Left populism. I've been involved with the left for a long time. So I'm much more interested on how populism works for the left. For the left, I mean groups like uh, parties, political parties like Syriza, which was in Greece, Podemos in Spain. Some people could argue that the Labour Party has elements of populism. We can discuss all this. None of these cases is totally a populist case. They have different elements that they make the media, for good or bad reasons, to call them populist. But this is also something <coughs> that populism, without the right or the left in front, it is also something used a lot by journalists. So everything is populist these days. Everything, everything is populist. Because it's a very trendy word. And it means all sorts of things that we should get spontaneously. But the thing with populism is that there are quite a lot of theory behind that. So you have two different ways of approaching a concept like populism. One is to look how it is used in the media, in the everyday language. And usually it is used in a way to signify something negative. Populism is not good. We have to work against populism. This is how it is used in the media. Now, for other people like me that we are more interested in the processes, what is happening with populism, there is a lot of theory behind that, and we are much more sympathetic to populism. So when we say populism, it's not, not something negative. Actually, in my case, when I talk about uh, left populism, it's something quite positive as well. It has its problems, but I can explain why positive. So I think I will start talking about left populism, explain where people like me come from and what they see or how they understand the concept of populism, and then maybe at the end we can discuss more about the differences between left populism and right-wing populism. Now, I started by saying that... Hello and welcome to Pod Academy. This lecture on left populism by Dr. Marina Prentulis is part of the IF Project's lecture series Thinking Between the Lines, Truth, Lies and Fiction in an Age of Populism. A lot of journalists, they use the concept of, of populism and they use it negatively. But this is not the only people who use it negatively. There are a lot of people who are academics and who write books, and they also use it negatively. And one very well-known book, because it's easy to read, is Jan Werner Müller, who wrote this book, What is Populism? I hate the guy passionately. <laughs> I think whatever he says there, it's crap. <laughs> but, but, it's a book that it has been read and read again, and it tries to explain populism in a very journalistic way, let's say. And this is why the concept, again, is used very negatively. So here is some of the things that this guy, Jan Werner Müller, says about populism. I don't like him, remember that. <laughs> this is not my position. 
The problem he has with populism is that he believes we have to find solutions in the democracies that we have, which are still coming out from the existing institutions. So he says, look, if you look at countries like Britain or France and so on, they have these beautiful liberal institutions. If we are to find solutions to any difficulties, any problems that we may face, they should come out of these institutions. Now, what effectively he's saying is that there is no problem with their institutions. These populists are strange people. The institutions are good. So he's trying very hard to, um, to promote that the institutions we already have, they are... So the institutions we have are okay, and when you have the emergence of these populisms, right or left, it's a problem for him. So he said... What does he say about populists? He says, populists claim that they, and only they, represent the people. Everybody who does politics claims that. Everybody who does politics claims that they are the ones who really represent the people. Boris Johnson says that. Jeremy Corbyn says that. Caroline Lucas says that. I haven't switched to the new leader yet. Uh, everybody, everybody says the same thing. If we are talking about electoral politics, anybody, populist or not populist on there, then we say we are the ones that we represent the people. So his claim, it doesn't refer to, particular, to populism in particular. Then he says, populists live in a kind of political fantasy world. Yeah, but they are seen to be able to do a lot of damage, maybe. <laughs> especially in the right wing, in a kind of political fantasy world. They imagine an opposition between corrupt elites and morally pure, homogeneous people. Now, this is a big claim for Mueller, and I'll tell you why. And there is a problem when we talk about populism. Populists talk about the people. We represent the people. As I said, it's not only populists that they claim that. But the people is something that it has been constructed. Who are the people? Who are not the people? It's always a matter of negotiations in any country. Am I part of the people with this accent? If we are speaking Britain, am I part of the people? I have a very strong accent. For some people, I may not be part of the people. I may be the other people. Um, so always who are the people and who are excluded, it's always a matter of negotiation. But apart from that, saying the people are homogeneous, it's totally, totally misleading. The people are never homogeneous. A country is never homogeneous. Britain is not a homogeneous thing. England is not a homogeneous thing. Greece is not a homogeneous thing. Nothing, the people or a nation or a society is never homogeneous. What is happening, however, is that in certain cases, when we have the emergence of populist politics, we talk about the people as a whole. But nobody believes that this is one whole. There are very many different groups there, different grievances that they have, different beliefs, different ideologies, and so on. Then, again, Mueller, I hate you. 
Populists create a homogeneous people in whose name they have been speaking all along. It is true. This is what populism is about, as the word says. You create a people. You talk about the people. Is this people a given, already existing? No. It's not though the populists that they create this group, the people. It's the conditions, in particular historical moments that I'm going to talk immediately after that, that they allow the emergence of a group which is the people. And then he says populism is thus a moralized form of anti-pluralism. Not really. He talks about anti-pluralism because, again, in liberal democracies, when we say that we accept a, a plura pluralism and so on, this doesn't mean that in populism, depending on what type of populism we are talking about, it is anti-pluralist. Some, they will be. Some, they will be very authoritarian, trying to talk about the pure people. Believe me, if things are going the way I'm thinking they should be going, this is not part of left populism. Left populism, for me, can never be exclusionary, although some forms of right-wing populism, they base very much their existence on this type of exclusions. They talk about pure people, about the true German people who should be like that, and me, I'm a foreigner and I shouldn't be. But this, for me, is a feature of right-wing populism. Not of populism, how populism operates, of the right-wing bit. When it comes together with populism. <coughs> so, this guy, I lost the head, <laughs> he's very much against populism. But the, the things that he's saying, they're neither something that it is inherent in populism, and he uses quite a lot of the ideas from mainstream uh, media who see populism as something dangerous. I said that <coughs> populism is some, and creating the people is not something that you do consciously. You may try to do it consciously, but it wouldn't work. It needs certain conditions. And why now we are talking so much about left and right wing populism is because populism usually emerges when there is a crisis. So you have a democracy, as we have, crisis. Our democracies were going fantastic, or fantastic in quotation marks, and then something happened. And the reason why populism is such a trendy issue is because this something that happened, it was the financial crisis. And it happened in Europe, and it happened in the US, and it had a big effect in a lot of different countries. Now, it had an effect in Britain. You remember these images of people outside Northern Rock thinking, oh my God, what is going to happen with my money and I have my savings in there and will I be able to take them back? Another big picture of this something that happened visually, it was um, when different financial companies started to close down and you may see firing people, and the people will carry boxes, and they will take their personal stuff out. So these are pictures, images that I have, I mean, I'm sure you have many more, of what happened in the crisis. But for different reasons that we can um, 
discuss later on. They have to do with economy, they have to do with debt. My compatriot Yanis Varoufakis has written quite a lot about that. I don't like him either. <laughs> Narcissistic men do it for me. I can't. I suffered a lot of Greek. <laughs> so, you have a crisis for economic reasons that we are, um, we, we could discuss if you want later on. And this crisis starts to make people feel that the um, democracy, the institutions, the democratic institutions that we have, they don't care about them, they don't listen to them, and because there is austerity on top of that, they will have to pay with their lives in order to get out of the crisis. Now, it didn't happen in the same way everywhere. The countries that they were hit, they were mainly the southern in Europe, I mean, the southern Europe, <coughs> and Greece and Spain were in the forefront. So, the crisis happened, and then suddenly, the bonds that people in different groups were feeling with the democratic institutions that we had, with those that they were governing, the securities that they felt, that they knew where their lives was going, suddenly it's out of the window. And people start to panic. Not a one group, many different groups of people. Not one class, many different classes. <clears throat> so this is from Greece. This is uh, the Greek parliament, and this is Syndagma Square in front of the parliament. So the people that you have there, some of them, they are already part of the left, as I am. So whenever we see a crisis, we are happy, oh, mm -hmm. we have stuff to do. <laughs> Leave this group aside. Okay? <laughs> Usual suspects. <laughs> then there are other groups. It's my mom and her friends that suddenly they freak out because they say, hang on a minute, I've worked all my life and I'm expecting a pension. And now they are cutting pensions and I don't know if I could survive. And then you see other people that they were, for my liking, quite middle class. And they were saying, hang on a minute, I have tried all my life to give my children a good education and make sure that they are okay in life. What is going to happen with my children, the next generation? And then there were people there that they couldn't even find enough food to feed their families. So you have a multiplicity, a great diversity of people coming from different classes, working classes, middle classes, lower middle classes, maybe upper classes, with different grievances. Some, they were saying, oh, it's, it's the, the, the problem is the Europeans. Others may have said, no, the problem is who is in, in, uh, in the, Greek, the government in Greece. By, back then it was the Socialist Party, Pasho. Uh, others may think, no, the problem is um, that nobody cares. Different, some were afraid for their futures, others because they, don't, they didn't have to eat at that moment. So all of these things happening, different groups, and all of these people go in the squares. 
sin decimal square and every other square in Athens. So this, this picture here is how you have to have in the first instance a people emerging. Because this in Greece is a million people in the streets. And you cannot have a homogeneous one million people in the streets. But they come together in their diversity and this idea, the people, it's not that somebody put them together there, this idea of the people starts to emerge. Same in Spain. The equivalent, no, no these are from other uh, places, uh, the equivalent happens in Spain, Plata, uh, Plata del Sol yeah, in Madrid, but every other place as well. And again, the people that you have, they would be what traditionally we, we call working classes, but then you have lower middle classes and people that were middle class and suddenly they said, oh shit, what, what is going on? I thought we were okay. And all of this bring the people in the streets in uh, Spain as well. We had a moment of starting to see people emerging in Britain with the Occupy as well. This is the Occupy in front of St. Paul's in London, yeah? We are the 99%. Effectively, they are saying what populists say. We are the people. Yeah? Now, the fact that they say that, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to catch on. And because if it was to catch on from the Occupy, you would have a, it, you would have the Occupy becoming bigger and bigger and then trying to find ways to, to change things for the good of these people. It didn't happen. It remained quite confined. Uh, it, it didn't bring it didn't bring a lot of I don't know, people that I know for example because they were not feeling they were not feeling the heat effectively. In Britain, you didn't have such a big shock as you had in Greece. I know that this may sound a bit strange because you say, come on, we had austerity, people are dying. Yeah, yeah, but this is not enough. People in Greece were shocked. Suddenly, ah, you do know, like with Brexit. So it's not say, class, yeah. There are working class people who have issues with Brexit. There are working class people who want Brexit. They're middle class, they're lower middle class. So these are issues, big issues, that they shock you, they make you challenge the, the givens that you have about the political establishment. And in around issues like that, and in key moments where you have a crisis, this idea of the people, you have people starting to emerge. So what I'm saying effectively, is that don't only look political parties and their populism and what newspapers say. If you really have a populist moment, different groups of people, different grievances coming together, it may happen in another side, which is demonstrations, protests, and so on. So this is what happened in Greece and Spain. The Occupy, I, as I said, it didn't catch, but, okay, this is Occupy knowledge. So, but it was small. Look, it is five times there, something was happening, but, but it didn't manage to, to have the emotional dynamic that the other uh, 
demonstrations had. So, Aganaktismani, it's a Greek word for indignance. The movement was Aganaktismani in Greece and Indignados in Spain. So, this is a summary of what I said. You have an organic crisis, a big crisis that is, which loosens the tides between large parts of society with established political parties and institutions. And then, what happened with the indignados or Aganaktismani here? They started to think how can we have a different type of democracy? You had people at the top of Sindarma here in front of parliament that they were really pissed off shouting. They were not coming from one political side. They were fascists in there as well. Traditionally, and in Greece we have proper fascist golden dawn, yeah? They, they are traditionally <coughs> upset with a lot of things that they are happening with liberal democracies. They want new things. There was the crisis. They were there as well. Yeah? And they left, as I said. And other people that they had known to do with either of these groups. But at the lower part of this square, people started to have discussions, assemblies. So they were gathering every night. And they were discussing, can we have a different democracy? How can we organize differently? How can we have more of a say in the democratic processes? All of them, hundreds of people sitting uh, around, trying to have democratic ways of engaging and discussing. Now, it sounds good, but democracy is a difficult thing. I've been, when I was there, I was thinking, this is like radio very late in the evening that everybody calls in and says something. <laughs> and then there is not, I mean, it did remind me of that as well. There were the good beats and let's discuss democracy and stuff, but don't imagine that everybody was making a manifesto there. There were people that they felt lonely, they wanted to talk, they were scared. You know, you have all this, it's, it's, part, of, it's part of life. So they were talking about direct democracy, we should engage more, referendums, we should have more referenda, and so on. Uh, and they were trying to find solutions. Effectively, what happened, this is, I said, diverse type of people, you had people that were discussing direct democracy and fascists at the same time, and pre-existing anarchists and new people, but, what happened after that in Greece and in Spain is that th this lasted for a few months yeah? and there was a lot of police violence and the squares were evacuated. So what most people, in the case of Spain, they discussed it and they created a new party called Podemos. Yes, we can. <laughs> It was people who had been involved in the movement. You cannot necessarily say that this was representing the movement. It was, but it came, it had connections with the movement. In Greece, it was a different process. It was Syriza, which pre-existed as a, a party, but it was a small coalition of left parties. And up to that point, it had 4% of the vote, nothing. But because a lot of the Syriza people were involved, not saying that I'm Syriza, 
<laughs> I'm serious or anything like that. But they were part of the processes. Uh, and because people wanted to see a change and they didn't believe that the existing parties were interested, progressively it started growing in the elections and in 2015 it came to the government and in 2019 it fell and it's one of the older uh, parties back in power. But this part, Povemos and Syriza, is what some people call populist. Why? Because they were talking about the people. Both of them, they are short on the left. That's why left populism I'm discussing. Yeah? But they were not talking about the left in traditional terms. More traditional left parties may say, oh, the working people. This they were not saying the working people. They were saying the people trying to embrace all these people that they were in the streets, not, not the fast, I mean people who could be part of that people, but it wasn't only working class people. It, it was a lot of migrants, for example, in there as well, that they were already in Greece and more refugees were coming in at that point. In Spain as well, you had middle class people a lot of my Podemos friends, they're very well off, very educated, very upper class maybe. Yeah? So they start talking about the people. And this is why they call these political parties populist. Because the conditions that a party or a group has to meet in order to become populist, it has to bring together diverse grievances. Now, this process, theorists, political theorists, make it too complicated because they talk about creating a chain of equivalences. Uh, this is what academics do to sound <laughs> important. You create a chain, that means you bring different grievances together, you create a chain, and all these different grievances participate in the same body which we call the people. It's as easy as that. Grievances, groups, and the identities of how we feel, I say us, it was us in the streets. Yeah? Suddenly my identity and somebody else that I've never felt that we had any connection, we start to feel that we are part of the same thing. And there is a clear dividing line then between us, the people, the 99% that Occupy was talking about, and the elites, those that they are responsible, which again, in different countries, who is the elite can be um, explained differently. So it could be particular political parties, the establishment, the rich, and so on. In Spain, they were talking about la casta, the, that class, the caste that it is the political class, let's say. And in this way, you differentiate what the people want and what the establishment wants. Now, of course, things are tricky. I'm talking about left populism, but right-wing populism works exactly the same. And then, think of something else, against who? Boris Johnson is a populist, I think. And, and you say, hang on, this guy was 
brought up with a silver spoon in his mouth. How come he is against the elites? So the elites, it's a bit strange, and I think Johnson can do that because the elites there, it's not only the rich people of which he can be part of, it's those politicians and technocrats that they speak properly while he's a true person and he opens his mouth and he says what he thinks. Yeah? So how you will construct who is us and who are the elites is always something that it will depend quite a lot on the particular situation, the particular country in that particular moment. So, so far, right and left-wing populism, they work in the same way. And as I said, they have these minimal conditions. Behind all this, you see, I go back and forth. Behind all this, there is the question of representative democracy. And populism in general, left and right, may have, may, no, not like what Jan Mueller was saying, may have a problem with what is going on in democracies. Now, we are talking about representative democracy. We live in liberal democratic regimes and we want the best type of democracy. Okay. Some people you may say voting every four or five months yeah, is fine. Other people will say no, the best way to see what is representing us is referendum. And we have, that's why we had the referendum in Britain. And then you have to start thinking, is this enough? Should we have more referenda? Should we vote once every year? How are we going to make sure that the people who are representing us in Parliament, they are from amongst us and we representative? <coughs> so you put a question of democracy. What is the best form of democracy? Now, the problem with populism is that, it's not a problem yet, left populism should ideally be in favor of direct participatory democracy, even if they are in power. So if they are from the left, like Podemos, these were activists, they came together. Syriza, which was supposed to represent something different in Greek politics, they should engage with these questions of participation much more. And they could create ways where the people were feeling differently, that they were more involved, that their saying was heard more. This could happen from having um, local uh, organizations or assemblies and decisions being going up, uh, higher up and so on. So left populism should be in favor of expanding democratic participation. The problem is that so far it hasn't happened. Podemos, they're going to be, it's next month, the election in Spain. Podemos, they have lost quite a lot of their power. They will be the fourth party. Syriza came to power, but the moment it came to power in Greece, it started operating like other parties. 
It did some good things. Okay, I was a member again, this is my politics. But if you ask me, from my perspective, it did quite a lot of good things. It doesn't matter necessarily. It's the difference is if you have a good party or a not so good party, yeah. But my question would be, if I have these parties that they talk about the people, can they do something, please, and bring the people in so we can have a more of a saying, more participation? And this hasn't happened. It could happen. That's my argument. It could happen, however, is that in the cases that I'm, I'm, I am discussing, it didn't um, happen like that. So, then, for those that they do engage with populism, they ask more questions about representation. And they say, hang on a minute. If we look at this hegemony, it's because it comes from a particular left strand that a theorist, Antonio Gramsci, was talking about hegemony. Hegemony means moral and intellectual leadership. But there is leadership. And leadership, as the word suggests, presupposes a leader. And populist parties and in populism, usually you have a leader. And usually this leader is a very charismatic, let's say, leader. So we have a leader in populism. It's this side. And we have political leadership. And usually the leaders that they are called populists, they are quite well known. In Greece, it was Tsipras. He's still the leader of the party. There is no other person to challenge him. In Podemos, we had two. We had um, Iglesias and then a Hall. But you had these two. They're all men, by the way, usually. <laughs> <laughs> the right is doing much better in having some women there. <laughs> and if you have this very uh, vertical relationship, these are the people, we talked about the people, and then I have a leader there, there is this problem. There is too much verticality, which some people will say it automatically makes populism not very, even the, the, the left, even the good ones, not very um, participatory, let's say. There, there are other people going back to the movements and what was happening with the Indignados that they don't like this idea of verticality and they don't like elections and they wouldn't like a leader. These are people that they believe in a more autonomous conception of politics. Here. And they say, no, representation is not good. If I tell you to represent me somewhere else, there is a big problem that you may change what I want. So they said no representation. Maybe we should try for direct representation. And in the movements, they see these movements emerging, but they didn't believe that these movements should go to that step where you will need to go to elections and have a leader, good or bad, and become a party and then take government because this verticality is already problematic. So these people here, they believe in assemblies. If they would like a way to manage democracy, it is by all of us coming together, or as many of us coming together in assemblies. 
The people who are into populism say, yeah, I like that, but you have to move from movements to the next level, which is challenge the establishment, whatever the establishment needs, through electoral politics. So already there is something there about democracy, how the left populist can do democracy better, let's say. Now, all this stuff, all this stuff that I said, they have very little to do with what these parties believe, left populist or right-wing populists, which is a problem. I don't mean they are the same. They are not the same at all. But from where I come, the logic of popul populism is a logic of doing politics, bringing together diverse groups of people with diverse grievances, creating a people that then you pose against an establishment. If this is the minimal definition, this could be Syriza, this could be the Labour Party, this could be the Conservative Party under uh, Boris Johnson, this could be Marine Le Pen, this could be um, Chavez, Venezuela, this could be many different things. This is why I prefer to call it a political logic. Yeah? It doesn't talk yet about the content. It talks about how you bring things together and how you pose a political party or a movement against the establishment. There are big differences, however, or there should be very big differences, however, between right-wing and left-wing populism. And the differences should go back to the key ideological aspects of right and left. I mean, somebody will say, oh, the left and the right are the same. No, they are not. They're different ideological families, yeah? Again, this is something that the media would say but they have different conceptions of what an individual is supposed to do, what a society uh, should do, what a nation should do, what race is all about, and so on. So I wanted to stop talking here and then invite you in this bit that I left blank to discuss for a little bit with the people around you. I mean, do, do I have to do it like school and say you two and you? Are you friends? Or come on, you may talk to other people as well though, yeah? Okay. <laughs> so I want to invite you to, to give me a couple of core um, ideas, concepts that they will go on the right-wing populism and a couple of the left-wing populism. Now I'm talking about the content. Populist logic is a much bigger thing. But if I had to fill each program, a right-wing populist party and a left-wing populist party, if I had to write a manifesto for the right-wing populist party and a manifesto for the left-wing populist party, apart from both talking about the people and we love the people and this, of course, is, is an electoral strategy, 
what age will be key ideas in the right-wing populism and in the left-wing populism. And we have a lot of examples. As I said, you have Marie Le Pen. She is called populist. If you know about France, you have Mélenchon there, who is on the left, and he has some ideas that <coughs> some of us we may find strange. He's on the left, though. Yeah? And some people say that he's trying to imitate left, well, to, to try to do left populism. As I said, it has to do with the conditions, and it's not a matter of somebody deciding. We have Italy, we have Greece, we have Spain, and now we have Britain. Britain, don't think about it in terms of the financial crisis, because something else is the key concept, Brexit. And then you will hear in contemporary political discourse in Britain saying, but the people want this. The will of the people, we got it in the referendum. And the other saying, no, this is not the will of the people. It's something different. So there you have populist elements. And then again, in, if in these parties, I had to write a manifesto for the Labour Party. The Labour Party has some elements of left-wing populism. It did create the people, but this people was part internally of the Labour Party. So Jeremy Corbyn becomes a leader, and then you have a mobilization of people, but it was something internal rather than something that it had to do with the whole of society. And I think in the Labour Party, because there, there are quite a lot of people who are more traditionally left, there is a resistance to move away from class, or the working class people, and start talking about the people. Boris Johnson talks about the people. But if you had to write two different manifestos, you had to write two, one for right-wing populist and one for left-wing populist. We have, of course, the example of Latin America as well. Chavez on the left side and Bolsonaro on the right side. Yeah? What will be key issues that you will put under left-wing populism and what under right-wing populism? Not the logic, as I said, it's the same, the content of its manifesto. It, it is right and left. Populism will be when you have the emergence of the people and the clear division between us, the people, and our enemies, elite, the caste. Yeah? But the right and left in front of them, they will signify a different program. What I was trying to show is that populism is a logic. It's a political logic, how you do things. Now, the content will be quite interesting, and you could ask this type of questions, which will be more under policy questions. Yeah? But let me, we, we need to finish, that's why I like the discussion, I could stay here forever. For me, you need to have, a lot of people will say the opposite, I'm saying. For me, in order to have left populism, it has to be inclusive, so you cannot say these people, they are not part of our country. And it has to be transversal. Transversal means you cannot play with necessarily the rules of the game of the, as they are given to you. You have to try to inspire to something different and so on. It's a difficult concept. Maybe another time I will discuss more. But for me, left populism can only be inclusive. 
If you have ideas, as you said, like race, to central there, or the nation in order to exclude others, this for me cannot be left populism because I understand it very much as you understand it as well, as open borders, as internationalism, as national education for all and so on. So for me, left populism cannot be or cannot fall to the situation where it becomes the same or it sounds the same with right-wing populism. Now, having said that, and this comes from all the discussion that we had, there are certain ideas that they are powerful. And when we are doing politics in everyday life or we're thinking about politics, emotions and other things play a very important role. And I think the idea of race and nation are very, very strong nucleus in politics. So you can make people feel very strongly if you talk about race and if you talk about nation. And this is possible <coughs> why right-wing populism or the populism that they use these concepts as central to their narrative, they're quite, quite successful. Yeah? And this is why sometimes, although I said left populism should always be inclusive, some people from the left, Melanchon was one of them, they try to imitate this idea of a nation. Nation is a big thing. It makes people feel strongly, it makes people feel very emotional, and it works quite well in times of crisis in order to construct a people that it's going to exclude all sorts of others, others being migrants, refugees, and so on. So, can I stop here? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs>